0: yo what's happening hip-hop world you're back to the hip-hop spot with me brown your host yo today we got a special guest on the show man pyro aka pyro the maniac aka the mike smith from the crew and he's originally from south central auckland new zealand and northland new zealand but now resides in brisbane australia he's got four albums and in the verge of releasing his fifth titled audio therapy my man also has his own clothing brand called shown and Proved." yo welcome to the show pyro
1: yo what's up man thanks man.
0: yo man so uh walk us through man walk us through your your beginnings man how, how did you get into this hip-hop game and like you know what inspired you to get into it man
1: well i think um my first uh, taste of hip-hop was uh, when my older cousin was um, into breakdancing back in the days of like Beach Street and stuff like that. So um, I sort of got into the game watching him breakdance and stuff and just listening to the ill um, sort of the boom-back beats that they used to play, you know, back in those days. So I'd listen to that and then every now and then, you know, i just try and bust some freestyles over the top. And then um, from there, I pretty much just um, got the taste and the love of music. From there, you know, once the... Um, the scene, you know with the eric b and rakens came out and um, you know big daddy kane and all that so i pretty much just gathered all my um all my inspirations from those days pretty much in then followed through right through to like the hero of um 93 to 94 and all the you know your mob deep biggie smalls um souls of mischief Fast side all of that sort of stuff came out so i pretty much um yeah, Oh, my music.
0: Now, yeah. um, where where you grew up first, um, in New Zealand, um, how was I mean, was that a tough neighborhood? I mean I mean how was the the your surroundings?
1: Yeah, yeah, well everyone knows in New Zealand what South Auckland's like. I'd, I'd say it's it's not as bad, like it doesn't nothing to do with like gunplay and stuff like that, but it was quite a rough neighborhood growing up with um, had a lot of poverty and a lot of um, you know, glue sniffers and graffiti artists and Um, People, you know, um, they call it stocking people, you know, taking your shoes and hat and clothes off you and stuff. So the environment pretty much was also a product of, um, you know, giving you a sense of, like, with the hip-hop music, you were able to speak um, about your environment, like, and how you grew up and pretty much what, like, most MCs do. You sort of speak about what you've seen, what you've done and who you know and your surroundings and... Sort of makes the stories easier to relate to other people, you know, to listen to what it was like growing up in um, your environment, in your neighborhood, so it was quite roughly I grew up, um, but you know, it's, it's not as bad as people used to think, but if you live there, it's not as bad as it seems, you know, it's just people looking from the outside and see it as a, you know, really bad place, but if you live there, it was rough. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Now, um, you being from, from, uh, New Zealand, um, How did the hip hop uh, like in America hit out there? I mean, was it a big impact like it did out here? Or I mean, how much of it went out there? Mm, That's that's a good one.
1: Um, Hip hop in New Zealand sort of had its own, sort of, uh, we call it in in our language kaupapa, which is sort of like um, had its own sort of style and um, beginnings, but I think Every country around the world was influenced by the hip-hop music, you know, as it came from the Bronx, so everyone sort of followed movies like, you know, Beach Street and, you know, all those sort of uh, movies like that, like Crush Groove and it, Um, just watching uh, hip-hop from those days, and I think once everyone got a taste of what hip-hop was about and, and, and the culture of it, I think New Zealand sort of infuse their own culture into the music with, um, we had pioneers like um, Fu, King Capisi Appahut Posse these were sort of like the original groups that came out when hip-hop first started in New Zealand and from there you know, more artists started branching out and you know, getting in touch with other people from America you know, Europe and stuff and just infusing our own sound and pretty much just going from there, but the American influence was always there we just sort of just try to infuse our own style into it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So now, what what kept you away from the whole, uh, you know, the the whole scene that was going on, like, you know, that was like the negative parts of uh, where you grew up and more dedicated to your craft? Um,
1: Yeah, well there was a lot of gangs and a lot of, you know, beatings, stabbings and killings and stuff. But I think what saved me, even though I was into music and stuff, the rap scene I think mean, because I played a lot of sports so um, I played a lot of rugby um, basketball you know sports like that which um, helped me um, sort of break away from that sort of bad stuff but the thing for me was even though I went and um, played a lot of sport away from the hood um, when I'd come back home from playing my sports and that I'd always be coming back to the same neighbourhood so even though I was away from it, I still had to come back to it, you know, because all, all the people still lived on my street, so I was pretty much always around it. I just, I guess, sport just gave me a bit of a break.
0: <laughs> yes. So I guess yeah. it's safe to say that that keeping busy is always a good thing when it comes to being, being around a lot of negative uh, things, you know, in an environment that has a lot of negativity. Um, uh, would you say?
1: I mean, like, you know, it's, it's a good thing to, to to go and do the things that you had to do, like, sport-wise outside of, like, the neighbourhood you lived in, but I guess my music wouldn't speak the way it did if it wasn't for my environment and the people that I grew up with, and, mm, okay. and I knew like people people sort of take it in a bad way and they either fall into that trap but for me I took it as a positive and not as a negative and sort of just you know use that as a way to relay my stories and you know tell people about the way my neighborhood was when I was growing up and and how I overcame the obstacles that it took for me to get there yeah.
0: okay so now as you started um, being an MC uh, I mean was that your first, uh, choice of, um, uh, of of getting of, of stepping into the, the game or was there another aspect to uh, of um, going into hip hop uh, uh, probably my first taste of hip hop uh,
1: if it was to put into perspective the elements of hip hop um, graffiti was my first my okay. first taste of hip hop um, element wise and um, I used to before I started freestyling and stuff my um, some of the homies in the bros used to be like, you know, pieces on the wall, as we do, you know, we would try and hit trains, walls, whatever we could do. And um, we'd always carry like a little ghetto blaster around with us, um, a little Technic one. And um, we used to like bang beats and stuff on that. And um, from there, you know, a lot of the other guys that were already freestyling before I was, you know, they were sort of spinning rhymes. And, and I thought, you know, that's another elements i could take on so i went from the graffiti scene because if you got caught you know you got a lot of fines
0: oh you
1: yeah know, you <laughs> know you go to sales and stuff so uh, i try to look at a another element i could take on still staying within the elements of hip-hop and you know you can stuff like it was the, probably a better option to take in than you know i, you know, I love doing that stuff too so
0: okay so now that you started uh so let's go to the to the time and place where you started you know being an MC and you like the whole you know poetic side of hip hop so you like the, the written part of it and stuff let's go to that scene so now you started and uh, what was your first step as an MC did you uh, start recording in, in friends houses and stuff like that or did, he, did you initially go to a studio to an actual professional well the first
1: the first place I ever had of um rapping, and it's going to sound quite funny, but um, we had this set tape, and uh, we had a four-track recorder, and so we had the four-track recorder and a little, I think it was a little portable shore mic that you could just plug into the um, recorder, and so that's how we pretty much started in the, in the garage, and what we used to do was we used to go out and buy um, the singles that you had the, on the A side, it had the song, and on the B side, it had the instrumental. Instrumental,
0: oh, there you go, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So we're going to get the B-side, we're going to get a single with the B-side, we'll have to to the actual track on the A-side, and um, similar like, songs like Money 3 Till Infinity from Salsa Mischief, or um, Shock Ones from Mob Deep, or, um, you know, just whatever songs we could get a hold, of, uh, a hold of that we could actually, you know, spit lines over the top, because, like, some of the some of the beats that you could get a hold of and rap over the top of could actually bring out... Well, I feel the beat also complements the ones that you split, so that's how I used to look at it, we used to just record stuff all the time you know and I mean most of it didn't sound that great but I guess that was a little introduction of what it was for us to um, do a lot of music from, that, from the beginning and then um, it just from there to like people just getting little studio setups and stuff you know um, getting me a little um the mic, you know, on the mic stand that we used to hang out from, a, um, we used to hang out from a hook on the roof, you know, just from the mic board, okay. you know, so it was hanging down, you know. <laughs> so we pretty much started like that, but I think once we started seeing, you know, other people's setups and, and the way it worked, we sort of um, looked at means and ways of getting, you know, funds and money to go out and purchase our own so we could start recording properly.
0: Okay. See, see, hip hop world um back in back in the day that was the real struggle people talk about like ah, oh, nah the struggle is real nowadays nah back then was a struggle because it was so hard to actually get your voice sounding the way it sounds now with what you know what with, with people got now as in home studios like it's so easy just to record but back then it was you had to record on adads and all kinds of you know things that you had to i mean it was harder to like edit back then, you know. It was it was way harder. You had to do many many takes, and you had to go back, rewind, rewind, like actually physically see the tape, rewinding. Nowadays it's just point and click, you know what I mean? That's so easy, and people still complain about like, oh, you know, I can't record. Like you know, hip hop world, you got to you got to remind yourself that it's, it's 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 easy. I mean, MCs are kind of spoiled nowadays in a way, right? <laughs>
1: Oh definitely. But you know, these days when you record you can you can cut and paste, cut and paste, you know, oh, yeah. and reverb, <laughs> you can you can do all sorts of stuff. But you know, we never ahead that like if you wanna if you wanna make a sound like, you know, that was like unique or was deeper than the voice that you had just to go on the hooks you had to actually um, mimic that sound and voice you couldn't just like grab some sort of plug-in and then just down tune your voice so that it sounded deeper you know you had to actually try and do it Um, physically you know like you were saying you couldn't you had to do so many tapes and overlays just to get the sound that you wanted so it's a lot easier yeah technology man
0: yeah yeah for sure so now um how was your first experience uh recording like the first time i i'm i mean me myself being an mc it was really hard for me i was so nervous you know like thinking what my friends that were around you know what they might think you know and all that i mean how was your first experience and in recording yourself my first experience
1: i think for like you know speaking for myself it came quite easy I mean, I surrounded myself around people that were from my neighbourhood, that knew the stories and the the sort of style I was rapping, so it was quite easy for me. I think the hard thing for me, the daunting part, was having the audio engineer sitting through the window had the mix board looking at me through the window like but I had the I sort of had the surroundings of of, of bros sort of like watching me but once I started um rapping the first verse you know the, they were sort of like rapping the same sort of words that I was you know because I I must have done that verse time and time again you know practice with thing. because obviously when you do actual studio time you know time is money so the more the more time you waste and the more takes it does to get your verse right it costs money so he's trying to do it as cost effective as possible but I mean I love being in the studio I, I felt I, I felt it was uh, like a sense of solace for me to be able to just get it out like while the beat just sort of in your own comfort zone sort of thing and I, I actually enjoyed it my first time was actually really good and um, I've actually seen people like you said like get real shy and feel a bit of discomfort when they're in there but once they you know get a feeling for what what the song's about and what they're about to rap about it sort of takes you away from that place that you just sort of you know you in your mind just bring it down something yeah Yeah, for sure
0: now with your albums how do you come up with the theme for them
1: the themes for the albums oh, um, i think when i come up for the themes of the album i sort of look at a topic that i want to go with or Something that relates to my MC name, like Pyro was actually given to me, mom. my original rap MC name was uh, Pyrolific, you know, so that was given to me by my man S Noble, aka the Shaman King from my crew the Armageddon, and um, what all the boys actually is four of us, but they gave me the name, so I sort of, every time I would come up with things, things for my album that will always be to do with the fire element. So, that's how I pretty much came up with my first album, which was Pyroclastic Flow. My second one was Tongues of Fire. My next tape after that was Heat Wave. And then my fourth album was actually Universal Language, but that was actually formulated from, um, you know, me doing collabs on beat production, plus MC with other MCs and um, beat makers around the world. being that not all of us could speak the same language just universal language ended up um, being the language that we spoke which was hip hop music and that's how we communicated even though the same language wasn't the same so that's how I pretty much came up with it but there's always big meaningful things I was trying to come up with as all my boys know back home I'm always trying to come up with some philosophical type um, elements to the words I come up most for the albums and
0: things so but that's pretty much me. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, okay. So now you mentioned that you freestyle, right? Yeah. Okay. So now, which I mean, does I mean, is it equally? Do you feel comfortably equally as writing and freestyling, or is it a little more balanced on one side more than the other?
1: Well, to be honest. When I first started, freestyling was pretty much my gig. like. I was into the freestyling. I couldn't really formulate uh, verses properly. You know, I couldn't really put it into content um, and formulate the the way I wanted to write my words to paper. Um, That that was more my strong point. Like I used to enter in like freestyle battles and stuff back in the days. Um and that was my niche, that was my sort of comfort zone thing. But now that I've done a lot more um, writing and putting more thought into my um uh, my verses and songs and tracks that I do for my albums is um pretty much my comfort zone now. Like I can still freestyle every now and then when, when the boys are sort of getting on the liquor and, you know, we're sort of freestyling and everyone's sort of on the elements, you know, ciphery and stuff, but uh, I think nowadays the balance is starting to lean more towards the written and the performing side than the freestyling side of think so that's pretty much but it, it started off from the freestyling like everything started from freestyling first and then as I guess as my music sort of matured and I sort of knew the direction I wanted to be heading with my music I started um, leaning towards more the written and composing of tracks I guess. Huh
0: Okay now we spoke about the first time recording in a studio how was your experience the first yeah. time in front of a live audience
1: in, um performing on stage yeah man. uh that actually that was quite daunting in a way sort of like I guess the feeling for me when people used to say to me how do you describe your feelings the way it was when you first performed on stage, I always tell people it's sort of like the first day you go to school, you know the first day at school and you you don't know anybody sort of that feeling you have in your stomach or that feeling when you're about to go and ask some girl out you know and you sort of have that feeling in your stomach that was sort of the feeling I had when I first started or when I first got on stage and performed in front of a crowd and I guess um, once I got on stage, and I was a bit nervous at first. But once I started, you know, spitting spitting my verses and stuff, I started to see the um, interaction from the crowd and you know the heads bobbing. It sort of rang me out of my shell a bit more. So I started relishing being on stage and just performing in front of the people. So the masses of the people sort of rang me up more than when I just jumped on stage and the beat kicked off and then was sort of rapped, You know what I had to do for the track, but. Huh. I think that's pretty
0: much it, yeah. So um, what advice would you give um audience listening, um, the young ones coming up in the game, what what advice would you give them, uh if they get to the in the spot where their first performance they're forgetting their words and they're just they're just not you know what I mean, not comfortable in that situation.
1: Well, I reckon from my perspective I've been doing it for probably 15, 15 to sixteen years and um I'd say the first thing that people need to realize, what you need to do is practice your tracks to the point where you're sick of hearing your own voice. (laughs) Like, get it so, it's just true. Like, if you get it so down packed and it becomes second nature, that's when you know you're ready to go on stage. That's the first part. Second part is learning your mic handling skills, your, your mic technique. Learn to hold the mic in a position where it's comfortable for you, so that you get the um, exact amount of sound going into the mic, you know. So it doesn't. So it doesn't. You know, like because I've seen a lot of people, they sort of pull the mic away from their mouths, like not really holding it like in a, in a stable position where you get the full effect of the sound and what you're saying. And um, I've sort of, I've sort of learned from that. And I think another thing is just making sure you get a feel for the beat when you're on stage and feeling like the crowd sort of you and like make you feel like oh, you know, like am I doing the right thing? Because at the end of the end of the day, your performances are part of you, what you're trying to relate to the crowd, your story, your you know, this is your heart and soul, your sweet and tears that you put into this. So people learn to appreciate it, whether they don't or not, unless you know you've given your hundred percent into what you've done on stage that night or that day, you know, to yeah, you just give it all, but just practicing, practicing makes perfect, like with anything, I mean, as an athlete, you know, as MC, break dancer, whatever, like, if you just put in 100%, you'll get 100% put out.
0: There you go, exactly. Rehearsal, 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 hip-hop world. You oh. gotta rehearse before, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's the same thing like you mentioned, athletes, they practice, they practice, they practice until they get the craft to, the, to perfection. You know, you can just go ahead and buy yourself uh, one of those cheap microphones, pretend you're in front of an audience, close your eyes at home, and just pretend you're doing it already. And just keep doing it and doing it. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly what you just said. I used to do that same thing. I used to have my brush <laughs> and i will just be, you know, in the mirror
1: sort of rapping, you know? Like, why are you getting changed, you know? Why are you are putting on your timbys, your Levi's, exactly. you know? Like, before you even go and perform on stage, you just got the, whatever you've got in your hand, and just mimicking what you're gonna do on stage. Cause stage presence is what woves the crowd. Anyone can get up on stage, have a beat thing in the background, you're just rapping. <laughs> but if you have a good stage presence and a good mic technique,
0: yeah the thing is that the the audience can tell when someone is nervous it can tell when someone it, when they're when it's just coming naturally you know people can tell it's just it's obvious you know and it's it kind of makes the audience feel uncomfortable when the person on stage is uncomfortable you know it, it, it like the the vibe resonates and it you know it goes back and forth but um now as for your shows and your albums how do you um like how do you go about and promote for yourself besides social media
1: uh, besides social media word of mouth um a lot of people like you know connect i don't really have a manager or any or promoter uh, myself but i pretty much just get out there and put in put in the lead work myself and um if people, you know, word of mouth is a strong thing too Like, if, if somebody tells this person And that person will tell that person Just like social media, it's like a chain reaction People sort of feed off that They'll be like, oh, he's performing tonight Oh shit, he's coming through with this, that You know, so people are like, oh yeah, he's coming through Do that song, you know and I guess when people, you know, feel for that I mean they, they, they sort of, that's just an element on its own to get people to come. You know, draws people to the gigs and stuff. But also um, posters. You know, putting up posters, um, good promo, like on the radio, airwaves, and just a lot of things like that. Or even even a lot of people back home, they they go out and do a bit of a, like a little free gig or something. You know, just just to entice people to come, like in the middle of um, middle of town or something like that. Just a little free concert so that people can you know, entice people to come and watch you perform. That's, that's another strong way to get people get to come to the gigs and stuff. But if, if they know that it's going to be a good show and people know who you are, people usually come and watch you perform uh, regardless of you know how much program there is. But definitely promotion is key to a lot of gigs. Because I've seen a lot of gigs fail. With bad promotion. Huh? Okay. That's, all yeah. right.
0: Now, as for your actual CDs, you have actual um, hard copy of them, or is it all digital?
1: It's all visual Like I haven't done um, uh, one hard copy. I've uh, only the first ever group I used to be in. We did hard copies, but I found that when we did a lot of hard copies, um, a lot of people would be. But when you have it in digital form, um, you can always feed it to the masses. I mean, you, you can you print hard copies. You can only have it. It can only circulate so much. But if you have it in social media or you know media form or visual form, you can actually send it out to the masses a lot easier. You know, like file transferring. And, you know, sending it. Oh, I find it's an easier way to network that way. But um, um, I, I have been in the process of actually getting some hard copies done of my album, Pages to the of Universal Language. I had a few friends over the UK that were coming to get some hard copies so they can distribute it over there. And my mates sort of said, well, you know, that could be a way to do it. But I've only ever done um, stuff for the media. I haven't really done any hard copies, so.
0: Okay. Now as for the artwork on the cover, uh, was that easy to come by or did you have to search a lot to, to, to find someone to, to to help you out with that?
1: Well, the, the artwork for my albums, um, my first album that came out, Pyroclastic Flow, it was easy because the picture that's on there is the bridge I used to walk across every day to go to school, that's from my neighborhood. Um, it's called Mangere Bridge um, and that bridge used to link you from Mangere Bridge from one borough to another which was Mangere Bridge to Unihanga. Um and that, that was a shot that I took you know like when it was a stormy day and I, and I looked at the bridge the bridge is actually out of commission now you can't actually well you can drive over it now but it actually got closed down and they built a new bridge next to it so that's sort of the significance of that bridge to me is the one I used to walk over to go to school um the second one, tongues of fire, was sort of like a picture that my mate sent to me. It looked like a like the end of the world type thing. So it was sort of like to do with the fire element too, because everything was burning. So I thought, oh, that's a good idea. But the tongues of fire name originated from it's actually a pagan religion. So pagan religion was the tongues of fire was about the whole uh, system of just I, I, I incorporate it as a technique. So that's what I call my style anyway. So. And people say, oh, what's your style? Like, you know, what do you call your style? Something I call it tongues of fire. Like, sort of gun with the fire elements. So that's pretty much how I came up with the thing for that. And um, the universal language one, um, that covers the same thing. It's just me standing in front of the bridge again, front the bridge where I grew up, my neighbourhood, and um, pretty much everything. And my wave mixtape was also the same <laughs> a picture of the bridge where I grew up so I have a lot of I have a lot of love for where I come from Um, you know I'm a product of my environment so I always pay homage to my neighbourhood and um, all the boys where I come from
0: yeah for sure man now have you been to America?
1: (laughs) no I, I definitely that is the reason I moved to Australia to Brisbane to work and make some money but I said I said to my partner I said that There's one place I want to visit, and that's America, for the reason being it's the origin, it's where hip hop originated. Um, But also, just I've actually got links with a lot of people that are over there, but um, I just haven't really had the chance to. But it's always been a dream of mine to make it over to, um, well, you know, over to Cali. York, like all those places. I wanna go to get Manhattan, Staten Island, I wanna to go to Miami, you know, I wanna to go to all these places and I just I just wanna be able to just round my feet on another place where hip hop, you know, is big, you know, and um, you know, I just I would really like to make it over there one day and even if it was to perform like I'd really like to get over there and just do some do some music, you know, bang heads with some you know, with, with some real dope hip hop heads, man. You know?
0: Now, how easy is it for someone in America, an MC from over here, to go and do a tour out there? Is it is it harder to do that, or vice versa, for someone to come from over there over here?
1: I think think for people people to do gigs um, from America or New Zealand or Australia, it can't be easy if the networking between both parties is tight. I mean, if there's a loss of communication in between whoever wants to come over and perform, And actually depends on who the artist is as well. I mean, if, if the artist is a really big artist, you know, and, and everyone knows who they are, they getting gigs anywhere else in the world. is easy. Yeah. But I mean, for a New Zealand hip hop artist or an Australian artist, I guess, their music's probably not that big in america or other places other countries so i guess that just promotion and enticing people to like come and check out the gig is the only way that it'll work but american artists always get much love overseas new zealand australian anyway so i've seen it
0: yeah like i've never understood that how there's a lot of talent all around the world when it comes to hip-hop artists and anyone within hip-hop genre. and it's, it seems like people make America seem like the top of the line. but I don't understand why that is. like I don't get I don't get it you know I don't get why other from other countries they don't you know prioritize as much as America. you know like I don't I, I never got that for some reason. Yeah, well,
1: I guess I guess for people, people see America as the pinnacle. Like people see America as the originators, as the trendsetters. You know, so people tend to look at America like, well, if that's what they're doing in America, we need to sort of step our game up and be like that. But me personally, I look at it like, if you if you understand the culture and the elements of hip hop, then you can infuse where you come from, your surroundings and your influences, your stories into your own style of music. I mean, yeah, it might sound or have the influence of America or whatever, but if you can infuse yourself or your own environment or your own upbringing into your music, then that just makes it more original. I mean, I I bet you a lot of people would say, would you rather listen to this music that everyone's doing or would you rather listen to something different and original? So people would tend to listen to the more different and original than the stuff that everyone's sort of doing the same sort of style but that's just me personally what I think because I'd rather listen to something because I've always been the kind of person that's been into yeah. hip hop different Yeah. Not always the same style like I've never been that person that's followed like whatever everyone else is listening to you know like if someone says oh I'm to like this guy he'll be like I'll be like ah, oh, nah I like this guy you know sort of. it's, it's, it's just the way I've always been but it's, it's it's what people's taste of music is and what what they feel they're into you can never, you can never influence or change people's minds they're always going to make their own decision at the end of the day but if you can just give your own sort of version to your style and music then I reckon it can just up there with every other country in the world I reckon because I mean you know like we were talking about before but, um, when you talk about like the European team like you know with France, Germany, like the UK like, all of those guys sort of have their own style and I mean I, I rate I rate their kind of music up there just as much as America's stuff um, it's just that I don't understand their language but um, I, I listen to the beat, The beat is what entices me, and I sort of can feel the story off the beat and watch the videos. You know, so that's how how I pretty much see. It.
0: Yeah, like music inspires you so much that it inspired me to want to learn French, just yes, to to understand what MC Solar was talking about. So that's how much of an influence hip hop has had on me and others around the world. But on that note, uh, we're going to go into uh, hip-hop or newer, some hip-hop renewed questions, I call it. It's like on the, on the business yeah. side, pro- productivity side of uh, hip-hop. But before we go into that, uh, what are your top five best MCs of all time and, and why? That's
1: sort of torture. I've been asked question so many times. Five is quite hard to pick, but. If I had to pick my top five I'd have to say Probably my top Top artist would have to be Big Pun From the Bronx
0: Oh wow Big Punisher
1: Yeah, that's, because
0: yeah. I, looked,
1: I, looked, I looked at him like He was a good guy But he was always coming the lyrical Like that guy when I first heard him I didn't even know he was Puerto Rican <laughs> I was just like who's this guy you know and then when I heard him rapping I was like man this guy's flipping syllables like I've never heard anything he was doing before so he was sort of like a Gatling guy I, I liked him because he-, he sort of he sort of didn't care what he looked like sort-, sort of like on the biggie level too like you know it didn't matter what he looked like physically but what he could do you know um, with his words was-, was really dope to me and then I have to say number two would be um, I don't know uh, Red Man Okay, There's another artist of mine that I like, I guess he, 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 he and so uh, I really like the way he just, his style is quite an author. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really have a big pattern style, he just comes all crazy and, you know, goes, We have a wizard's sort of style, and that's what I sort of like, the unpredictability of his style. And, uh, yeah, and another, on, the, on the another one, the number, probably the third artist that I like would be, probably, ODB okay Okay. ODB, I liked him because he was, um, he was no father to his father, like he used to say, you know. Outspoken, um, outspoken,
0: so he, very outspoken. <laughs> very, and, and you know, <laughs> he was only just trying to speak
1: how he felt was right, but he might come across, you know, uh, in a certain way, sometimes the people that were frowned upon, but he was only just trying to speak his mind, you know. Um, yeah. That's what I liked about him. And um, Nas, Nas is another of mine that I, I really looked up to too. I it's really hard for me to put them in order but he's he could probably be number one but Mark was quite an influential uh, record to me when he first came out um, I like the style his story he told and
0: Elmatic Elmatic
1: uh, uh-huh. was, was one of the dopest albums ever to come out at their time and um you know besides him I mean like you know it's pretty hard to say NCs but um, cause Mark D Mobb Deep was a huge influence of mine as well, so when they first came out, they came with that street grimy sort of style, so around that same time, it was was, a thing for me to get into hip-hop, and um, I'd have to... Rakim... Rakim was probably another MC for me that um, I thought when Eric B and Rakim first came out, I thought that was a... You know, I'd never heard hip-hop like that before, you know, like... Mm, Yeah. You know, when Peyton Fool came out, like I was just I remember when Payton Fool first came out, my mum was like, Oh, this a rap song on T V And then I'm like, Oh yeah, um, that's that's cool, what is it? And then it was like Eric Bean Right and Peyton Fool. So I was like listening to that and um, that sort of did yeah, changed my perspective on hip hop and to that would probably be one of the
0: Oh yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. There's so many out there that it's just but uh yeah. So now we're going into uh hip hop preneur questions with Pyro. Yo, what motivates you on the day to day and what inspires you? Uh, what motivates you on the day to day and what inspires you?
1: what motivates me and inspires me Um, everything inspires me um, whether it's to do with nature what I see and everything around me so that's pretty much my inspiration Um, like my my two boys Kirtland and Titan they're my hugest inspiration for why I do music and stuff like that and my motivation is to um to get my voice heard and for people to actually like and understand my music you know that, that's all I that's all I ever want from people is just to listen to the music not just like hear it but to actually listen to it. that's okay. my motivation
0: to make more music for sure what would you say are the top three skills needed to be a, uh, a great all around business person
1: top three skills um, drive you gotta have drive to do what you want. You gotta be passionate about what you do. And you gotta just um master your skill. Yeah, master, master what and, and enjoy it, like yeah, mastering, just enjoying what you do. Like, you don't do it for the sake of doing it, just do it because you're, you're passionate about doing it. You love to do it. That's, that's how I look at things. Anyway, to drive businesses and stuff.
0: Okay. What have been some of your failures and what have you learned from them?
1: Failures. Um, maybe choosing different different paths. There could have been other paths I could have taken that could have led me to places, the choices I had made. Could have been better, but I have no regrets. But I guess maybe my my pathways and and that I chose could have been better, the decision making could have been better, and I probably could have been there already But you know, that's just the way life turns. You can't go wrong with the punch and make it as a comes but you just got to learn from that and yeah, yeah, learn from your mistakes and try and not do it the next time.
0: For sure. What does investing into your craft mean to you? <laughs>
1: Investing into it to me would be to put everything I have, 100, into it. I'm always investing stories and, and everything I've seen into the music or into anything I do. Like that's, I'm passionate about the music. Like I love the culture. So everything I invest into it, whether it's business, anything it's always all of me like I give 100% into what I do I make sure that I you know I do it 100% I don't go in 80-50 you know I always go in 100% because you never know you know where it could take you so that's that's my investment that's my investment is investing myself right, for sure man
0: how long do you stick with an idea before you give it up
1: I'll, I'll, stick, I'll stick with the idea until it's done. I follow through with any idea I come up with. Like I'll, I'll chase it down or whatever idea, I'll, I'll make sure and try and perfect it and get a hold of it and utilize it you know, until, until the end. That's, that's pretty much me. I always gotta make sure that I, um, I always follow through
0: with it. Okay, for sure. Nope. What experiences uh, stand out that you believe has molded you to become the person you are now?
1: Experiences that have molded me. Yeah. Probably the experiences, probably like I said before, like the the paths I've chosen. But also just watching and learning from other MCs, like learning... um, even if businesses and clothing labels and that and stuff like that venture i'm also looking at just learning from other people's um ideas that they've come up with um or copywriting or just mistakes that they've done but I, I i learned from that i just watch and observe and and just sort of take on board all the things that and all the mistakes i don't want to do that other people have done but you know just um formulate my own path and make sure that it's, but we've talked, we make the same
0: okay. Now how now how do you define success? I do to
1: define success. Success to me I define success as, um, as just sort of being what a final product of what you want out of what you Driven to do or what you wanted to do is success to me. Success to me is a much. Success to me isn't always about that. But as long as you know that people have appreciated or you know, appreciated what you've done and all the effort and time and sweat and tears you've put into your craft or your business, that's what success is to me. Not so much the financial side, more more the appreciation is a success to me like people appreciating what you've done and the effort you've put into it that's what I see as success for
0: me okay okay now what is your greatest fear and how do you manage that
1: fear ah, greatest fear my greatest fear is probably not following through with things like I've sort of always had the thing of wanting to always complete things like I don't I don't like to leave things half done and that sort of bugs me in a way so that, that's actually a fear of mine is to actually not complete anything I always try and make sure that I don't fall into that same trap. It, it, it's probably not a fear but it's, it's something for me that I, I, I feel as a fear like that I don't complete anything and completion is, is a form of like you know from an achievement a goal. So if I did not achieve that goal then I sort of have that feel of not being what I want it to be,
0: the final product. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people have that have that feeling that they need to complete something. It's like it's like people sometimes feel that they don't have enough time in this world that they just want to complete, complete, complete. You know, and it's like no one wants yeah. to leave nothing undone, you know, no stone unchurned. You know, it's just, you know, but uh, there's this, this last question right here, and this is, um, this is geared for, more for, like, the people up and coming and then uh, trying to get in the game. They're kind of clueless. They don't really know what the next step is in their path as an MC. But um, if you were to wake up tomorrow and found yourself starting from scratch, like from step one, you still had the knowledge you have now, but knew no one in the business, what would you do in the next seven days?
1: Uh, I think seven days. I'd probably myself personally. I'd probably go and look and search and source the people that are actually um, already doing what you know what I want to do, and sort of just ask them like, "Is this you know?" Um, I, I want to know how how I go about getting towards the pinnacle of where they are at now. Um, you know what they've done and. and that they can offer experience in ways that I could probably learn from. I could probably not make the same mistakes. So it's actually like, a to me, that question is more like a clean slate. So I could probably just go in, you know, just knowing all the mistakes I've made and just going in there and probably writing all those um, mistakes that i made but actually utilising all the experience and knowledge of these people to help me get there. And probably the pathways i would choose would be a lot better, faster, um, and just having more knowledge and more appreciation for music as a whole. And um, yeah, just not abusing it, I guess. And that's that's what I'll do in my, in my seven days. Like probably from day one to day four, that'll be me just sourcing and, and just, you know, trying to um, network and, and find these people. And then probably the next few would be me just trying to um, get in and um, make myself known like, and, me, make my influence and my stamp on the game pretty much, I'll probably, I'll take it with Arm broken like, that, that, that for me would be just, be good, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not happy with the way, where I am now and what I've done to get here, but I guess with, with the seven days, um, it seems like a complete slate, I could probably, you know, the world joystick could do whatever, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On that note, I'll leave you off with a quote here. Every day that we spent not improving our products was a wasted day. And uh that's that's kind of uh, how a lot of people are right now, and that's how they feel right now. But um, hey Pyro, yo, I, I want to thank you for giving us a good insight into how you see um you know the life of an MC, how to improve your craft, your skill, your you know, your flow, and just keep pushing man. I wanna thank you and uh, you wanna shout out anything, um, social media, of course I'm gonna put it in the in the description, all your info, but just uh give us a little shout out of, of the stuff you got going on, man. Yeah man
1: um, yeah, I appreciate you getting me on both us man and I appreciate that one hundred percent. Um yo, what's up everybody man, this is uh Pyro aka the Mike Smith um just giving you uh, um, insight into my story and um I'm just glad, you know, that people are actually out there listening and I'm taking on board what I'm saying, but I'd like to make a big shout out to all my crew, um, Life Arcanus, my man S Noble, big ups to Daz, Kaz, uh, Wild Sun, you know, all the boys out there that have actually helped me get to where I am now, um, my Armageddon crew That. Know, big shout-out to you. Shout-out to all my peeps from uh, Manbridge, Onihanga. Um, um, shout-out to all my boys, bb down in H-Town and Hamilton. Shout-out to all the peeps out there that have um, put my music on the radio airwaves. You know, shout-out to all the people. Shout-out to Rep FM. Shout-out to all the boys up in the Naughty north, north. Big up to the Movement. Big up to all the boys in the WHG. Um... Yeah, I've got a new album coming out It's called Audio Therapy. It's featuring a lot of artists from around the world and producers from around the world. And um, yeah, this is this is going to be the um, the stamp that I'm going to leave people with this year for 2017. So keep an eye out for that, man. And um, shout out to everybody out there that's doing hip hop in general just keep doing your thing don't be afraid to speak your mind you know people people aren't always going to take you the way they they want to take you but as long as you feel that what you're saying is truth don't worry about anything else just worry about what you're doing man and shout out to altito hip hop shout out to everybody in australia yo i'm out Peace.
0: yo Thank you, Pyro. And to you, hip-hop world, stay motivated. Put that clip down. Pick up your pen. Pick up your pad. Get creative. Yo, we out. Brown. Uh, hip-hop spot.